Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. We finally made it down the road to organic gardening part four. Last time when we left off, we were talking about um, what's in different types of soils. And it's interesting when you get into the, the, the bag soil mixes. So I wanted you guys to flip your bags over and see what was in there. Because today we're going to talk about pesticides and integrated pest management. And what does that all mean you know, for the organic garden and for the organic gardener? So to me, it is important to go back and look at those soils that maybe you have a bag sitting in the backyard that's been out there for you know a couple of years just crusting out uh, or maybe a couple of new bags that you have there or maybe you're going to go out and buy some soil flip over the bags and see what's in there we talked about gmos we talked about why we don't use bone meal blood meal or feather meal and that's because of the broad spectrum herbicide sprayed on all of those and then they get eaten by the animals That becomes waste that gets composted or allegedly composted and gets into the garden, into the soft tissue of the plants. Many of the top selling potting soils in the country use bone meal, blood meal, or feather meal in them or a composted chicken manure that is most likely not coming from an organic farm or an organic source. Those are really, really key things to look at are keys to organic gardening what is the source where do they come from and that is what we're going to look at as we get into pesticide use in the organic garden Hey, podcasters, this episode that we're doing right now uh, includes IPM and the organic protocols, and I'm going to jump ahead to how I actually even learned about insects and beneficial insects and insectaries at all. If you go to the R story uh, on the Malibu Compost website, you're going to learn about this guy named Alan York, who was a guy that I met who turned me on to biodynamic compost. But he also, at Benzinger Vineyards, had an insectary. And it was the first time that I ever saw someone that in the center of their grow put all kinds of plants, milkweed, different flowering salvias, all kinds of sunflowers, things that drew um, butterflies and bees and birds and hummingbirds. And what he told me was this insectary that he grew brought in different types of beneficials and different types of insects that helped them so that they didn't use any pesticides on the vineyard at all. And it blew my mind and made me want to learn more. All of this stuff that we've been talking about, GMOs and gardening, and how how does that even play into what we're doing? One of the main points of the Healthy Garden podcast 
is for us to start to look at things from a different perspective. And you can agree with me or not agree with me. That's fine. We all have our opinions. But my goal is that hopefully it, it, it opens up our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, there are different ways to do things than the way we've been told to do things for quite some time. So let's take GMOs before we get on to the, the next side of, of pesticide and different types of IPM because IPM I think is a very misunderstood and another one of those words that gets thrown around all the time, you know, including in master gardener classes and programs and all kinds of stuff. So it's one of those things that again, I think we should take a, a little bit closer look at it or just think about it. So let's look at Bacillus thuringiensis. So BT. So BT um, we have BT corn in this country that is a GMO corn. What happened was they basically took a, um, a soil bacteria and they produced a BT toxin out of that. And what they've done now is they've got a corn now that goes ahead and will kill the beetle, um, the larva of the beetles, uh, the corn rootworm. And basically what it does is it opens up their stomach and they die. Most of the corn that's grown in the United States is BT corn. And why I'm bringing this up is because there's also BT sprays that people use all the time in gardens. There was a study done in Quebec at uh, the Sherbrooke uh, Hospital. And they tested 98, 90, excuse me, 93% of the women that came in, pregnant women, had BT toxins in their bloodstream. 80% of, of the babies in their umbilical cords and the umbilical blood had BT toxins in them as well. Also, continuing on with that study, 63% of the women that came into that hospital had BT toxins in their bloodstream. So it's getting into our bodies. Those toxins are getting into our bodies. On the flip side, you've got the BT sprays that are out there, and there's a whole bunch of them. And you can use them because they're approved for organic farming and gardening. The BT sprays, uh, the argument for them is that basically they break down fairly quickly and so that they're relatively, and you, uh, this is how it's looked at in quotes, they're relatively inert. I personally don't use the BT sprays. What I do is I go back to what we were talking about earlier in the organic gardening protocols about creating healthy soil, about proper watering, about proper environmental management of the garden, of the farm, wherever you are, whether it's a golf course, you can do those things. I look at those things first as the way that we need to attack the issues that we're having in the garden. Because that's where we get into this whole IPM situation next, because what everyone is taught about in, in, in IPM is about, um, about uh, different types of uh, cultural controls, biological controls, uh, mechanical controls, chemical controls. And Yes, those are all things that we can do to control 
outbreaks of pests. But the first thing that we want to do really is the cultural control where we really look at the soil. We look at the watering. We look at how we're fertilizing. We're looking at how we space our plants. We're looking at what kind of wind we get and sun exposure we get. We're looking at are we planting the right kind of plant in our garden? And also, if you're in an area that's heavy pesticide use and, and where you have plants that are damaged and, and, and diseased in your neighbor's garden, trust me, it's going to affect your garden because their pests become your pest if you don't start controlling your garden in a healthy way. And that is what we're going to talk about next. Our take, my take, what we think is really good integrated pest management. It's Norma, a biological farmer and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. I like to use SF nematodes or Steiner Nema Feltier on my raised garden beds in the fall and winter. That's when the parents of all the soil grubs are laying their eggs so they can overwinter into the spring. Since I've been doing that, I no longer have a grub problem, nor do I need to spend time fishing them out in the spring. I order them from Rincon Vitova. They come in a peelable tray with ice packs in the box to keep them fresh, and I add them to Vortex clean water and stir more. Then I drench my garden beds with a watering can. That is one great organic gardening protocol that I highly recommend. Have you ever wandered down that aisle, the wall of death, the poison aisle in your in your in a nursery or in your local Home Depot, uh, one of the big box stores? How's it smell? Is it a place that you want to hang out in? Because let me tell you something, it's not a place that I want to hang out in. And it's one of the reasons that I don't shop at a lot of places because I can't stand the smell of the poison. And, 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 and look at all those bottles that are staring at me that I, I know intrinsically in my gut, no bueno. So y- y- grab some of those bottles off the shelf and take a look. If you have pesticides at home or herbicides or fungicides at home, grab a couple bottles and just flip those guys over. You got three different types of warnings on them. You've got caution. That's for the slightly toxic You've got warning, which indicates that that's a moderately toxic substance in there. Or you have danger, which means that you have a highly toxic substance that's sitting there in your garage or in your uh, garden shed or somewhere that hopefully nobody that you don't want to get in it is going to get in it. Okay? So I am not into the chemical form of control. So let's just eliminate that off my list of the four that I gave you. Mechanical controls like trapping, those kinds of things, eh, 
Some can be effective depending on what you have and others, you know, not so much. I mean, if you've ever had a rat problem in your food garden, then you know you got a problem. And a lot of times how you have to deal with that is basically a cultural control uh, or, or a mechanical control where you're putting up fencing, you're putting up wiring, you're putting up that kind of stuff to keep your stuff safe. Those can be effective. Cultural can be very effective. But to me, the most important thing that we can do is do a biological control. And I'm going to get into that in a second and talk about the biological controls. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention something that happened a couple of years ago. So we've got a thing that the number one pesticides that's used in agriculture, it's called chlorpyrifos. And it was Dow's alternative to DDT, and it's the most widely used pesticide on crops. And what happened back in 2017, the EPA uh, had done had had enough studies and enough uh, mounting evidence um, on our kind of human health regarding this chemical and this pesticide that they were going to pull it and ban it. And what happened was uh, Scott Pruitt, our director of the EPA at the time, uh, denied it. So it's going to be on the market for another five years. So which means by 2022, it's still, it's still out there. What I want to say about that is in the store today, you could still buy cilantro, bell peppers, you can buy nectarines, peaches, hot peppers, snap peas, all that are sprayed with a pesticide that has been shown to create neuro issues, neurological developmental issues uh, with children. And it's one of just 34,000 pesticides that we have labeled that are out there. So what do we do? What's my recommendation? You know my first part, which is the healthy soil, healthy watering, all of those things, not using your GMOs, putting only healthy stuff into the garden. What we like to do is we like to use beneficial insects. And it's, it, it's proven extremely efficient and effective. We started buying beneficials from Rincon Vitova which is a great company that we like and that we use, uh, Dr. Ron Whitehurst. He's a, he's a great guy. They have great, um, they have an insectary. And so what they do is they will get uh, to you um, beneficial insects that will go ahead and wipe out. Basically, they're the predators of what we call, in quotes, pests. So one of the things that we love um, is we like to attack the pest, the white fly, the thrip, the fungus gnats, flies, all those things in ground. That is the most beneficial way and the easiest way to attack. And so what we do is you do a soil drench with nematodes. They're called HB nematodes uh, and also SC nematodes. They hunt and kill the larva of white fly, thrips, leaf miner, aphids, grubs in the soil. And they will kill fungus gnats, as well, and house flies. 
if you use those guys in your soil, basically they come to you in a, in a package and you, and you uh, put them in water and then use your watering can to drench the areas in the soil or you're adding in new soil. It's a really simple way to get those guys in there and get them to uh, effectively do what you wanna do with your pests. The other thing that we do um, is you've got some stuff that can be above ground and you can use the SF nematodes on there. So these are things you can look up and take a look at and see what are they gonna do? What will they do? Do I have pests that I want to have a biological control because I'm trying to walk away from the chemical controls that I've been using? As far as uh, other things above ground, you know, all the time people talk about, you know, you see them in the little uh, containers sold in the refrigerator at the store, uh, at the nursery, and you've got lace, lace wings and ladybugs, and they actually work. They're very effective if you put them out at the right time and if you go ahead and spritz some water on the area where you're having the effect and you put them out, uh, it, it, best time to do it is in the evening at dusk, and you put them out there and you actually spray where you're having the infestation. And what happens is they come out, they're dehydrated, they get a little bit of water, they start to wake up, they get a little bit less groggy, uh, and all of a sudden they realize, wow, I've got aphids to munch on, and the ladybugs will go to town. And the nice thing too with lacewings, we've seen them repopulate. We have a, we have a plant in our uh, front yard in our entry, and the lacewings really like to hang out there because we're probably one of two or three families in our community that actually grow organically. And they happen to hang out uh, in that spot, even though I haven't seen an aphid in our garden in, in quite some time. The other thing that you can do is sometimes the compost teas, which I'm going to talk about in our next um, installment, they can be helpful as, as far as being a deterrent because of smell, of texture, of those kinds of things. They do work. They do have some effect. Another great thing that we do is we will use uh, like a Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap. We worked on a couple of projects that were big um, gardens and they were big public gardens and we couldn't spray anything and nor would we want to spray anything, but we would have white fly outbreaks and things like that. And what we would do is we would dilute at one teaspoon to five gallons Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap, spray it and voila, the white fly was gone. You guys can do this as well. Look into it, look it up, and stick with us as we keep going down the organic highway. Join us next week for another exciting and interesting look at gardening, growing, farming, health, and how we all might make this place that we call home a better place. Until then, thank you, and happy and healthy gardening.